today is a different kind of service that seems a little rushed. We're trying to do a lot of things at one time. Um, like we mentioned, at the end of communion today, we're doing a presentation for the uh, discernment team so that we can get your opinion on some of the things that you may be concerned about as far as the move. I'm not going to go into any detail about that, but just you know, letting you know that things are going to be kind of short today so that we can make room for that. It is very important for us to do that so that we can uh, move forward. Um, you know, and along that line, sometimes it seems like life can be blind sometimes that maybe things happen in life and it changes our plans or ideas of what we thought life was going to be like at a certain stage. And it's hard to see through that fog sometimes. And we don't know what to do. But scriptures tell us that anytime life gets dark and we can't see, keep listening to the voice of God and keep looking for Jesus. No matter where he may show up, everything happens for a purpose and a reason. And that brings us to our passage of scripture today from the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he heard, or as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you today, we thank you again for the blessings you've given us. And Father, I just ask that you be with me during this uh, time of the service and give me words to speak that would be pleasing to you. Empty me of my own desire, my own will, and fill me with your spirit that the words I speak would be pleasing to you and beneficial for your children. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We all know this, well, in the old days we would say we all know the story of Saul. We don't want to say that anymore like that because the church is changing in a lot of ways that, that we may not understand. And I don't mean our church, I just mean the church as a whole because most of us grew up in the church, and we went to Sunday school classes and Bible schools and Bible studies where we were taught the basics about the Scripture. We all knew who, were, who Matthew and Mark and Luke were. We knew who John was, and we knew who Judas Iscariot was. And for many, we went beyond that small realm of understanding and ventured out, and we, we learned names like Saul and how he became Paul and the miracles that they performed all around the world. But today's church is different. A lot of the people who are coming into the church now are what we call unchurched, meaning that they didn't have the church experience that, that we had when we were growing up. So when we stand in the pulpit or the classroom or anywhere and we say things like, we all know, 
it's no longer a true statement. So we try to take a, a new stance on things because we want the new congregation as they come into the church to feel like their first time here was a learning experience. An experience that, that touched them instead of a, an experience that separated them from the rest of the community that gathered. And it's hard for them to come into the church sometimes because they can't always see where it is that God's leading them to. And it's like Saul here. The story of Saul kind of goes like this. After Jesus was crucified, Saul came into the scene abruptly. I mean, just like out of nowhere. Now, the Jewish people and the people in his, com his community knew who they were, but our introduction to him was after Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Saul had a hatred for what was happening in the church. The church was, was being born. It was coming alive. People were preaching Jesus Christ crucified, and people were getting saved, and they were becoming a part of this group called The Way. Now, the way is what the church was referenced to back then. People would say that, that we're following the way that Jesus instructed us to live. And he had such a hatred for what was happening that he went to the priest and he said to them, said, look, this is what I want to do. I want you to sign off on this paper. It was something equivalent to an arrest warrant today, but it was signed off by the church. And if we find these people practicing and teaching the ways of Jesus, I want to take them into custody and bring them back to Jerusalem to stand trial. And that's what he was on his mission to do. He had left Jerusalem on his way to Damascus, about 130 miles away, because things were happening in Damascus, according to scriptures, by the Spirit of God that, that he didn't like it. He wanted to go out and do his best to stop it. And on his journey, he experienced Jesus in a way that he never, ever expected. It was a flashing light that, that, that stopped him and, and caused him to lose his sight. And the amazing thing is this. When he responded... He recognized the voice of Christ, probably without ever hearing it himself. He referred to Christ as Lord. He didn't just recognize the name. He didn't just recognize the voice, but he recognized the deity of Christ as being part of the Godhead. And I think that, that we experience that in our lives sometimes, that in the hustle and bustle of life and, and all the things that we have to do, that, that we hear the voice of God in the back of our minds sometimes or, or maybe in our hearts as God speaks to us. And there's no question about it. Matter of fact, when we, when we hear that voice in our heart, we don't stop and say, who is this or what was that? We immediately, if we pay attention to our own actions, we will immediately stop and say, yes, Lord, what is it? Because you know what? We recognize that voice and we know the truth that that voice is not just 
a figment of our imagination. We know that that one who is speaking to us is God himself. We don't have to question that. And we don't until God asks us to do something. And then all of a sudden, nope, that voice can't be God. That voice has to, it has to be something else. It was an idea that somebody's trying to put into my mind because they want me to do something. Or it's the idea that, that somebody has, has spoken to me because they want me to believe a way that they believe. And we begin to, to rationalize that voice. And oftentimes, and I am all for discernment, but, but oftentimes we, we discern that voice to be that of God. But when God puts that call on us, we immediately start making excuses. Now when I say we, I mean me as well. Because we think sometimes that, that when God calls us to do something, that it's going to interrupt our life. Now, I don't know about how it was when you grew up, but when I grew up and I was going to church, they would always talk about a, a call from God as being some type of burden that we have to carry, that, that we have to, to give up a way of life to serve God in a different manner than, than the rest of the world. That it wasn't something that the everyday person wanted to experience. But I'm going to argue that, that this statement is far from true. That when God calls us to take up his call, it's not because he's trying to take something away from us. It's because he's trying to add something to our lives. That he wants us to have a life experience that, that we wouldn't have apart from him. That his call is not something that's going to stop me from doing something, but it's going to empower me to move forward into a walk that's already known to God. And I think that's where it gets scary for us, if we're to be honest. Because if you're like me, you want to know what the path looks like 10 miles down the road before I take step number one. And we will argue that within our hearts and within our minds that, that I can't do what God has called me to do because I don't know what the full outcome is going to be. I want to guarantee that it's going to work out in my favor. And, you know, that's not a promise that God makes. Because when we say that we want something to work out in our favor, what we're really and truly saying is that we want it to work out the way that we want it to work out. And then we start becoming God of our own lives. And oftentimes, if it doesn't lead to destruction, it still will lead to a life that, that's unfulfilled. You still can accomplish those things that you want to accomplish, but, but you wind up living a life full of emptiness, lacking wonder and exposure to God himself. Denying him the opportunity to reveal to you himself the very things of the kingdom of God in this world that we can experience. And I challenge you today 
not to do that. Because you see, God has a plan for every soul. And though that road is filled with with troubles and heartaches, just like life, even without God, with God, He empowers us to to overcome those circumstances. He gives us the, the power and ability to face difficulty and not with agony, but with victory. He gives us the power to overcome our own emotional state. So that when we face difficulty, we don't have to look at it with dread. We can, we can look at it as, as a mission and purpose that, that this is what God has given me in life to, to deal with and overcome. And I can I, I approach that obstacle with dismay and fear, or I can approach that obstacle with power and optimism, knowing that no matter what I go through, I don't go through it alone, that God holds my hand and offers encouragement and empowerment as I encounter all that life brings. My grandparents always said that the one thing that you can count on life is this, is that difficulty is going to come. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what your stance on religion is, it's going to happen. But we as a people can choose this. We can encounter that difficulty without God, without His empowerment, and without His peace, and without His joy, or we can encounter it with God. Knowing that He works in all things for the good of those who love Him. But it's hard taking that that first step. We hear the voice and we recognize the voice, but but we're not so sure about about letting go of, of whatever it is that we're trying to hold on to. To take that first step outward. And I think about that little marble that I found this week when I when I think about that statement, because you know, that, that marble was covered up in the dirt, and, and I couldn't see it. And as long as it was out of sight, it was out of mind. And sometimes that's how I treat God. You know, when I hear God speaking is, is I want to bury that idea, that thought that he's putting in my heart because I don't want to deal with it, and I don't want to face it. But God, just like that little marble, just tends to keep popping up here and there, everywhere I go, until I have to make a decision. Because, you see, the day comes when no matter what you're encountering, we have to make a decision about it. And what I like about this story here with Saul is this, is that, that when he encountered Christ, that he recognized the deity of Christ. And he knew who it was that he was speaking to. He took direction. He said, go ahead to Damascus and wait for three days. And I like that, that Jesus gave him three days because even though he wasn't sure what was going on in those three days, Jesus was already talking to somebody else in that area who was going to come and minister to Saul. That was going to help him to, to see the light that, that he had a mission and purpose, purpose in the life of Christ. And I think about us sometimes that, you know what? 
sometimes God will start calling us to something. And when we hear that voice, we hear that call, we think immediately that God means right here, right now. That you have to, to not just start considering what God wants you to do, but, but we have to, for some reason, think that we just have to drop everything right here, right now. But, but you know what? God gives us time to, to think about what's happening and to prepare. Oftentimes, he may put a, a thought or an idea in our hearts and minds about something that he wants us to do six or seven months down the road. And if we treat that call just like that, then I think that we can have more peace in our lives. That if we, we hear the word as Christ speaks it, that, that today, Tommy, I am calling you to wash your wife's car. And I'm going to start thinking, well, I don't have time to do that today. And maybe tomorrow I don't have time. And then it's become, going to become a dreadful thing because I start planning out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And, and you know, I, I, I'm going to have to give up all those things that I've already planned because God wants me to wash my wife's car. But in reality, if I would just take that small, simple task, that idea, and just simply say yes at the very beginning. Yes, God, I will wash my wife's car. More times than not, he's already accounted for my activities on Monday. And he's already accounted for my activities on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. But he knows in advance that Friday I don't have anything to do. Tell me there's a good time for you to take up the call and wash your wife's car. So you, you, you see what I'm saying? Is that I can answer God's call as a yes today and not have to worry about my life getting flipped upside down tomorrow. You see, God is a God of order. And he wants to work in our lives in an orderly fashion. And we don't have to worry about God asking us to give up something just because of his call. It may very well be that he's just simply saying, I want to add something to your life if you will answer my call. And after Saul spent his time in Damascus, God sent a messenger to him and told him again of God's love for his life and his willingness to forgive even the most vile sins. As Saul received Christ, and something miraculous happened. Those eyes that were blinded on the road to Damascus were open to see. Scripture says that, that something like scales fell from his eyes. 
And he looked to the world and his purpose with a whole new life. A life that was focused on serving God. Not a life that was focused on serving self. So again, today's sermon is short. But think about that. That God's call is a call to action and a call to love. And it is a call that will add quality and experience and exposure to God to your life. And you know, that wasn't the first time that that happened. After Palm Sunday, Jesus sat with his disciples and he spoke to them about the things that were going to happen to him in the days coming. He said, I'll be betrayed, but I'm going to a place and where I'm going, know this, I will come back to you one day and take you with me. And it was on that night that Jesus held the first communion when he broke the bread and drank the wine with the disciples. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread and gave to his disciples and said, take, eat, for this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you and gave to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. As we proclaim the mystery of faith that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here. And all these gifts of bread and wine, Father God, make them to be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in the mystery to all the world until Christ comes again in final victory, as we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. As we go forth from here, let us go in love and peace and the authority granted to us by Christ Jesus. Amen.